welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning session of Sunday the 30th of November, entitled Living More Abundantly, and the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 10, verse 10. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. It's very important that we all understand the importance of just what baptism is. I'll say this in the beginning, and I'll say it with a smile. You take it with the love that I say it, but if you're here this evening, you're a believer that have truly put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you ought to take that step of obedience to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. The only way not to do that is to be disobedient to our Lord. Now, you don't become any more a Christian when you're baptized. You're either saved or you're lost. There is no in-between. There is no process that takes place. We're saved when we put our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. His shed blood paid for our sins. When he rose from the grave, he conquered death, hell, and the grave for each and every one of us. We can only go to the Lord as sinners crying out for mercy, not because of who we are or what we'll change or what we can do, but all because of what Jesus did for us. But as believers... That first step of obedience that we find in Scripture is that they followed the Lord in believers' baptism. Now, I want to just give you a few things uh, from the Word of God uh, that hopefully will just give you a clear understanding of what will be taking place here in the service this evening. Look with me, if you would, in the book of Romans, not chapter 8, but chapter 6. Uh, Romans chapter 6. I'll probably refer to chapter 8 later, but uh, we're going to go to chapter 6 right now. And I just want to read, follow along if you've got it there in your scriptures, not listen to what is being said to us here in the scriptures. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection." knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. 
for sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? Well, the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Well, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, we're buried with the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism. He says, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. The truth is, is that when we follow the Lord in believers' baptism, we are unashamedly identifying ourselves with Jesus Christ. We're identifying ourselves with his death and with his resurrection. When we identify ourselves with him, we do it before the whole world to see. I'm not ashamed to be called a Christian. You know, that term Christian was first used at Antioch not as a favorable expression. It was meant as a derogatory slur. You little Christ. <laughs> because they were acting like that Jesus who they didn't care anything for at all. They began to call them Christians. But we proudly identify ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why should we do that? Why should we identify ourselves? Well, first of all, because the Lord commanded it. The very commandment that's given to us to go into the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You see, in the same command, that he told us to go and carry the gospel, he also commanded that they be baptized, that they be taught in all the things that God has given us. So we ought to do it, first of all, because God has commanded it and we ought to want to be obedient to him. Secondly, you should do it because you love Christ. 
Jesus said himself in John chapter 14, verse 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. We looked this morning at that truth of in sincerity and in truth. We talked about in our, in our Christian service that the two can't be separated. Many, many, many people are as sincere as they can be, but they are sincerely wrong because the truth isn't part of it. But sincerity and truth go hand in hand. That's the way we serve Him. That's the way we worship Him. We find that if we love the Lord Jesus Christ sincerely, then we ought to desire to obey His commandment and to show Him that we love Him. You know, we sing that great old hymn that's been around. As a matter of fact, I've got it as one of our hymns in the closing of the service, Trust and Obey. Or there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When we're trusting in this world, when we're trusting in the things of this world, we're never going to truly know that inner joy and happiness. Folks, when we're walking in disobedience to His Word. So, the meaning of baptism is that in Christianity, that is our identification. In the Old Testament with the Jews, it was circumcision. But in the New Testament with the church, our identification with the Lord Jesus Christ is through baptism. And we should desire to do that because He commanded it and because we love Him, because it will bring personal joy to you in walking in obedience to Him. You see, the truth is, though, is that Baptism is totally worthless without salvation. As a matter of fact, these two families have presented themselves to be members of Bethel Free Baptist Church. And of course, our church, it is a requirement to be a member of this congregation that you, first of all, be able to testify to this church that you know that you're genuinely a born again, saved child of God. Not just religious, not just been a member of some other church, not just been baptized, but that you've experienced a new birth. And secondly, that you've been baptized scripturally by immersion as a believer according to the New Testament. And of course, we find that uh, in Scripture, there is only one type of baptism, and that's baptism by immersion. Only believers, I challenge anybody. I know, just as we talked this morning, I know that the baptizing of babies is done sincerely by a lot of people because they want to protect their child. But folks, because it's done with sincerity doesn't make it right. There is nowhere found in Scripture that anybody was ever baptized except those that had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. First of all, there was John's baptism in looking for him to come. And then Jesus Christ himself set the example even he went and had John baptize him. And of course, for every believer, we know that the Scripture not only commands us to be baptized, but in every place that is... The word baptize itself means to dip, to plunge, to go under. We find that every place that baptism took place, it wasn't just with a pot of water, but it was lots of water. The Ethiopian and Philip went down into the water. So we believe that scriptural baptism is only to those that have genuinely put their faith and trust in Christ. Once they have done that, they identify themselves with the Lord Jesus Christ in believers' baptism by immersion in a local New Testament church. And so 
We find that as we proceed this evening that uh, uh, it's a little different for Jane and for Daisy both because neither one of them are brand new Christians. Both of them, they'll be sharing their testimonies in just a, a few moments. And of course, they have both been baptized before. Um, some would say baptism. You know, some have accused me of rebaptizing. Well, we don't rebaptize. We just believe you need to be baptized one time scripturally. But just because we call it baptism doesn't make it baptism. Now, again, it is not in doubting the sincerity of their hearts. That's why that uh, we try to take the scriptures and try to show them honestly and truly that though they were genuine and sincere, when they followed the Lord in, in baptism, we could not accept that as New Testament baptism because it was not done by a New Testament church. And of course, the truth is, is that it's not even a sling upon the beliefs or the doctrines of those that baptize them because we have no problem there whatsoever. But it was not a New Testament church. It was never established as a church. It was never operated as a New Testament church. And I love the people dearly, but that is something that, uh, again, we clearly state in our statement of faith that we believe scripturally that you can take the Word of God, you can study it out. The ordinances were not given to the world, folks. God has always had an instrument to work through. And in the Old Testament, He worked through the nation of Israel for most of it. And even though He was the God of the whole world, He worked through the nation of Israel. And that's where God spoke to the world through, and that's where God served. That's where God did His work through. But when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, Judaism as a whole rejected the Messiah. But Jesus Christ Himself established His church. And that church is the one that now He works through in this world. Many of the problems that we have doctrinally and in Christendom today is because that people have tried to do good things, sometimes with the best of intentions, but out from under the authority of God's Word and His instrument in this world, which is the church. You see, I personally, though I've been preaching for more years than I probably should tell you, <laughs> though I've been a Christian since I was an 11-year-old young man, the truth is, is that I have no authority to baptize anyone. God's work takes place through His church. and Therefore, biblical, scriptural baptism. You know, anybody could take somebody and put them under the water. Uh, anybody could say the words, but that's not what God... And if you don't think that God's serious about doing things His way, that it's okay for us to do our own, just read your Bible a little bit. God gives us... He is a God of order, and He gives us that order. And I believe today that God has not placed within my power nor any other man would call himself a preacher, nor any other Christian, the authority that has been placed in his church. Most of your New Testament was either written about the church or to the church in what we should do. And so these two come this evening and they'll be sharing their testimonies, but I wanted to make it clear to you. You know that uh, originally uh, the forerunners, if you would, of the, uh, of the Baptist, and you know I believe that God has had a remnant of true believers right through history, right from the New Testament when he first established his church right on through. And I believe they've gone by lots of different names in history. Um, 
One of the groups that preceded us as the Baptists was known as the Anabaptists. And you know what Anabaptists literally meant? Baptizing again because they did not accept pedo-baptism, the baptism of infants and whatnot. Now, they weren't right in everything that they believed, but they were right on that. Folks, we don't think that anybody needs to be rebaptized. I don't even, many of you have joined this church, I don't even think that you have to be baptized by a Baptist church. I know many churches that hold the name Baptist over their door, but they don't believe the same things that I believe on the Word of God. They don't stand on the same thing. I know others that don't have the name Baptist, but they stand upon the same truths that we do. So I'm not saying that this is not a Baptist thing. It's not an independent Baptist thing. It is a biblical thing, and a New Testament church is the one that has the authority to administer the Lord's table and baptism. And so both Jane and Daisy desire in their hearts to follow the Lord in scriptural baptism. Not to be baptized again, but to be baptized for the first time scripturally and genuinely. And that's because in, the, in their hearts they want to obey the Lord Jesus Christ and they want to obey his word. So this is a special time for them. Even though that they went into the water once before, it's tonight that biblically they follow the Lord in what we know is scriptural baptism. And I praise the Lord for that. And you know, I pray. I don't know how long that you have left, and I don't know how long I have left. You know, I, I really don't believe that any of us have a long time left before the trumpet sounds. But I trust and pray that this church will never be built around the words of a man, a preacher, but around the word of God. I pray that it will always have someone that will stand in this pulpit and proclaim that truth unashamedly, proclaim it with authority because God's word says it and not waver from it for the sake of man. Even when we love pe people dearly, we would not wish to offend people for the purpose of it we must stand upon the scriptures and upon the word of God. And may we always do that. And you know, church membership is an important thing, folks. It's something that, uh, again, I'll, I'll mention a, a bit later, but it's something that is a tremendous commitment that's taken too lightly by too many people. Just as I said about baptism, if you're here this evening, I say to you with all the love, but if you're here and you're a true believer... If you haven't been baptized, you ought to be baptized. But if you're not a member of a local church, you ought to be a member of a local church. You ought to be accountable to a local church. You ought to be serving God through a local church. The Bible knows nothing of people going out and doing things on their own. He gave us order, and he gave gifts to that body, and he says that that body is to be fitly joined together. I believe that every child of God has been gifted in some manner. And, you know, not one of us, whether it's the pastor of the church or whether it's the person that... That, uh, that teaches the Sunday school, the person that, uh, that, that, that cleans the toilets, the person that does anything in the name of the Lord as part of this fellowship is just as important to that body. Everybody working together is what makes the body function as it ought to. And you need to be not just an arm or a leg or something out there on your own. You need to be part of a body. And a part of a body and a body should be committed together. And I believe that you should pray and earnestly know where God wants you. You need to agree doctrinally with that place. And you need to be committed just like when that man and that wife commit themselves. Because, you know, the church in Scripture is referred to as the bride of Christ. When we commit ourselves one to another, we do it openly. 
We should commit ourselves together for better or for worse, the good times and the bad times, which all churches will go through. We never, ever, ever should tolerate doctrinal error. But you know, I'm going to let you down sometimes as your pastor. You're going to let each other down sometimes. Believe me, I know better than anybody here just how far from perfection that I am. But you know, together, we're there to encourage one another, to build one another up, to be there for one another, no matter what. I'm not talking about just talk. We talked about that this morning. Talk can come cheap. But what's the character of your commitment? Will we really follow through with those commitments? When a body commits itself together, it's united and it ought to work together. And each and every one of those believers has a part to feel in that body. And each and every one ought to be fulfilling that for the good of the whole. Not for ourselves, the Bible says, but for the good of the whole. And so it is an extremely important step. And it's something that each and every child of God should do as soon as is feasibly possible after they become a believer. And they should find a church. Look, folks, hey, I know this church isn't for everybody. I know that some people that come here, they hear me preach one time, they never want to come back again. There's some people that would come here and they get to know us and they definitely know they wouldn't want to come back again. But the truth is, Jesus Christ is building his church. And many of you know, many of you have been attending here for years and I've never one time twisted your arm and tried to make you to become a member. But I've never hesitated to say from this pulpit, you ought to be a member. If this is not where God placed you, you need to find where God wants you and you need to be a part and you need to make that commitment and you need to stick to it. Because you can't serve God unless you do. You can't serve Him as the Bible teaches that you need to serve Him. But we don't try to talk people into becoming members of this congregation. I want this church to be built by the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe with all my heart He'll send those here that need to be a part of this body. Our emphasis upon building this church is trying to win the loss to Christ. Now, if you're a believer and God sends you this way, then you just, you just look at us and look at our faults and see if you want to be a part of that or not. Because we are who we are, and we try to stand and be what God wants us to be, and that's what we want to be. This evening, it's a great privilege to have these that, that want to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. I'll give you the sermon later. That was just a little tidbit. <laughs> but we're going to ask these two ladies to come and share with you their testimony. This is something that... We always ask anyone that's following the Lord in believer's baptism to share with you because if it's if they're being baptized under the authority of this church, you need to know that they have a clear testimony of their salvation before the Lord. Before they come, you pray for them. You know, anybody else want to come up here and look everybody out there in the eyeballs and, uh, and say something? I know they're nervous, but pray that God will give them strength. And, you know, they don't have to get up here and, and, and preach a sermon. They're just going to share with you from their hearts. They know they're a Christian when they became a Christian, how they got to where they are, why they're here tonight. And, of course, we ask all, even as later in the service, after the baptism, of course, Brother Chris and Sister Ruth will be sharing a word of testimony as we accept them all into memberships. It's just this is where God wants them. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, you know, that's, that's what we want. We want God to send those here that he 
wants here. And so, Sister Jane, why don't you come on first and uh, share your word of testimony with this group? They look mean, but they don't bite. Right, on Valentine's Day in 96, I was sitting in a church listening to a sermon about God's love. And I was dead to anything spiritual and my soul was hard and lifeless. I could not have cared less for Jesus or the Bible. But at um, some point during that sermon, I um, could sense that Jesus was calling me to repentance and offering me his love and forgiveness and I grabbed it with both hands <clears throat> for the first time in my life I felt truly alive and full of life and I left that church a different person and the Bible says a new creation Amen. Psalm 40 says he brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings, and that was true for me. In 1998, I was baptized at Bethany, and I did it with all good intentions, but um, as Larry said, good intentions get you nowhere, and I realize now that I wasn't um, in God's will, and God requires that baptism be done biblically uh, and in the framework of the local church, and that's why I'm here tonight. And we heard this afternoon that uh, when Jesus was baptized, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And now I trust God can save me. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Amen. I've often said that you know, everybody's testimony is different. That each individual, God loves you so much as an individual that he deals with you personally. And we come to realize and recognize the Lord Jesus Christ and we want to have that personal relationship. But there's also something that's in common with each and every one of you. Each and every one of you are here and you're a believer this evening. There is a point in time I don't believe you can become a Christian by accident. I don't believe you fall into it. I don't believe that it sneaks up on you and gets you one day without you knowing it. I realize that some people may hear the gospel once or twice and be convicted and be saved right off the bat. I realize that others may have to hear it a lot of times and a lot of other things before they come to put their faith in trust. And I know some that have sat in the church all their life and heard the gospel over and over and over again. They knew it inside and out, but they'd never themselves humbled themselves and sought forgiveness. Folks, knowing the facts doesn't get you saved. Christianity, true Christianity, is not about a code of rules it's not about something that we follow or do. It's all around a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all Him. And you know, sometimes we have the privilege of sowing seeds, and those seeds may take years before they come to fruition. We all want to see them come right now. Others have the privilege of coming along and watering those seeds. And others have the privilege of being there for the harvest sometime. But it's all of Him. 
His word is the seed. It's not what we say. It's God's word. It's only the Holy Spirit that can take that word and make it alive in people's hearts, make it speak to them to where they know. They can bring that conviction and draw them to Christ. And each one of you have been through that. And I like what Sister Jane said. If you're a child of God, you didn't get saved and leave the same person. <laughs> you're a new creation. You were born again spiritually. That makes a difference. For some people, it involves their emotions in lots of different ways. And you don't have to get saved and feel and think the same thing that somebody else did. But you need to know there was a point in time when you humbled yourself as a sinner and sought forgiveness from the Lord. Now, each of our candidates, after their testimony, we, we always sing a song that they choose. So if you take your red hymnals now, we're going to sing number 23, which Sister Jane has chosen. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. It should be the tune in the hymnal. All right, you may be seated. And Sister Daisy's going to come and share her testimony. I repented of my sin and received Jesus Christ into my heart on October the 14th, 2000. At that time, we were attending a fellowship, which was Bethany, where in March 2001, I was baptized. Sadly, that fellowship was not a called out church or an establishment with the order of a pastor, elder or deacons, according to the word of God. Thus, scripturally, that baptism is invalid. So this evening, I am thankful to God for showing me that we can have all the best, purest intentions toward him. But if our actions are not in line with the authority of scripture, we have disobeyed him. So I thank you all for attending my baptism. Scripture I want to share is Romans 6, verses 4 to 5. says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Right. Thank you, Daisy. And uh, again, thank the Lord that, uh, you know, sometimes um, I encourage people if they know because I, I didn't. Uh, I don't know the date on the calendar when, when I was saved. Um, I, remember, um, I remember the time of the year. I remember the meeting. Um, I remember the preacher preaching. I, re I remember when uh, I was convicted of my sins and went forward and, 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 and wanted to, uh, to be saved. But I didn't write the date down on the, uh, on the calendar. I even remember that it was a Thursday night. But uh, uh, it was a Thursday night in, in, in November, but I don't remember the exact date. And, uh, but the thing was, you know, it's not the day on the calendar that's important. It's that you remember a time when you know that... 
by God's grace, you were convicted by the Holy Spirit and you were moved to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work. And so thank you, Daisy, that you can remember when that took place in your life. And uh, thank you that uh, even now that uh, you want to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and following him in believer's baptism this evening. I'd like to read another passage of Scripture to you from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. This one should be easier for you, Panos. I'm going <laughs> to try. Oh, yes. We forgot to sing Daisy's song, didn't we? It's actually the other book, the Songs of Fellowship book. And it's number 165. And both of these songs that they've chosen this evening are both favorites of mine. Um, this is one of the most simple, of courses, number 165. He is Lord. Uh, but you know, sometimes the simplest have some of the greatest meaning. So we'll sing this one through a couple of times. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. 165 in your songs of fellowship. Amen. And one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. All right, John chapter 10. I'd like to read. I was kidding, Panos, because we were talking, of course, uh, if you've never tried to record a preacher, and especially one that, that, What's the right word? I know I don't get loud. Uh, this passionate. <laughs> this passionate sometimes in his preaching. If you're back there trying to keep those levels somewhere in between, then, uh, boy, is it a challenge ever, you know. And I said, well, I said, I could try to be a more monotone preacher and not go up and down so much, but I'm not sure how well I'd succeed. And he said, don't worry about it. He'll, he'll get used to flipping the, uh, the controls back there to try to keep me from... Uh, Overmodulating everything off the uh, off the screen, so I'm I'm not I'm going to attempt not to preach to you such this evening. I've already shared with you I think some important scriptures concerning salvation and baptism. I want to share a simple thought with you this evening, and though it's simple, it's very important. And I'm going to try not to get overpassionate, but it's hard not to get passionate about God's word. Um, but I think this is a thought that whether you're here as a believer this evening or whether you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, I believe it's a truth that hopefully can find a place in your heart. In John chapter 10, I'd like to read verses 1 through 18, which if, if you've got a red letter, you'll find that uh, all but one verse and a few words are in red. This was the Lord Jesus Christ speaking himself. And he said this, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. 
and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Father, I thank you this evening, Lord, for the testimonies that we have heard I thank you, Lord, that both Jane and Daisy can look back to a day when they know without a shadow of a doubt that you spoke to their hearts, that you invited them into the fold. And Lord, that they accepted and received by faith. They put their trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work. And Father, I pray now, as you know the hearts of each one here this evening, I pray that again you would speak to hearts. May men and women, boys and girls here this evening not hear the words of men, but they, may they hear your words as they are anointed, as they're made alive unto their hearts, and may each and every one respond as they need to. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. If you look back down with me in verse 10, the Bible says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You see, this evening, each and every individual here the truth is, is that without the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no life. We know that 
the Scriptures teach us in many different ways. He says here that there's one that's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Lost person, you need to recognize today. There's somebody that's out for your soul. And he's not just out for your soul for the moment. He's out for your soul for all of eternity. And he'll do anything. He'll whisper all those sweet nothings in your ear. He will do anything that he can to keep you deaf, to keep you blind, to keep you from recognizing the danger of your present condition without Christ. He'll try if nothing else. Even if, if there's within you the reality to admit that there is a God, that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and all of those things, if nothing else, he'll try to get you to procrastinate and think that you've got all the time in the world to do something about it. He's here to destroy you. And he wants your soul for all of eternity. But Jesus Christ, on the other hand, says, I am come that they might have life. Jesus Christ wants to give you that life this evening, a life that will last for all of eternity. You see, he wants to forgive you of your sins. But are you willing to go and ask for that forgiveness? Jesus Christ has accomplished everything that needed to be done for you to be saved, for your sins to be forgiven, for you to have eternal life. You see, it's the sin that brings death. But when that sin is wiped away, only then can you have life eternal. Jesus Christ wants you to have life. We find that we looked at that verse earlier in Romans 6, 23 that said, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I want you to know this evening, I want you to know with all that has been said and I want you to know specifically Clearly, I do not want you to be able to walk out those doors back there and not know this evening that without Jesus Christ, there is nothing that lies ahead of you except death. We looked at that verse this morning in Proverbs that says, There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. Jesus Christ wants you to be saved. He wants to give you that life. And he not only wants to give you life, but you notice the next part of that verse, and that they might have it, that life, more abundantly. You see, you might be thinking, well, I'm okay with where I'm at right now. <laughs> I'm okay with the life that I've got, thanks. Well, without Jesus Christ, you don't really have life. And the sad thing is, is that none of us, none of us know. I don't say this to scare you. None of us know when our next heartbeat will be our last. And friend, there will be no more opportunity after that. And Christian, God doesn't want you just with all the joy that is there in the promise of that life to live forever. He doesn't want to just give you the life. He wants to give you life more abundantly. He wants you to know a life that nobody outside of Him can know. I don't have time to share all the Scriptures with you that I'd like to share with you on that subject. You see, you can have life this evening 
and you can have that life more abundantly, that abundant life comes in knowing that God is your Father. Knowing. We heard, I think it was in Jane's testimony, thanking God that not only when God looked down when Jesus Christ was baptized and said, this is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. But he wants to look down and say, this is my beloved son, my beloved daughter. He wants you to be part of his family this evening. And we could look at so many passages. There's a lot of falsehoods going around about the fatherhood of God with all people. And folks, that just isn't true. Yes, in a creative sense, he created everything that there is. But for him to be your father, there must be this spiritual birth. It requires a spiritual birth to have him as your spiritual father. Knowing that you're a child of God. The more abundant life comes in knowing. Not only that you're a child of God, the creator, but knowing that Jesus Christ is your savior. That your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He's the only one. You know, you have to know, as both of these have testified this evening, that there was a day when you went and you believed with all your heart that because of what Jesus Christ had done for you, he did to save you. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came, as he says right here, to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. An abundant life, more than just existing, more than just life itself. A life in knowing that God the Creator is your Father and knowing that Jesus Christ is your Savior. You see, He is the Savior. Whether you accept it or not, we sang that song earlier, He is Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day will come. But maybe right now, you need to confess that He's Lord. You need to accept Him as your Savior. The abundant life, knowing that God is your Father, knowing that Christ is your Savior, knowing that the Holy Spirit lives within you right now. As a matter of fact, the Word of God teaches us that if He's not there, you don't belong to Him. You don't get saved at some point and get the Holy Spirit at another time. He's the one that works in your heart. He's the one that moves in and seals you into the day of redemption. Now, you're going to need a lot of filling, which means a lot of getting rid of self. You need to be controlled by that spirit, and the filling spirit is something that must come day by day in your Christian life. But he is a person. He's not like, you know, I, I, I have to have this water sometimes when I get dry. But that water is something that I can have a little bit of or I can have a whole lot of. I can have because it's just a thing. God isn't that way. You can't get a little bit of him and a little bit more of him. You either have him or you don't. The Holy Spirit is just as much a person in the triune God as the Father and the Son is, knowing, knowing that God in heaven is your Father, that Jesus Christ is your Savior, that the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within you always and forever, knowing. Knowing that your sins have been forgiven. I mean, all these questions, we, we've talked about all these different things, that, that old Adamic nature, and, and when sin entered in and everything that it did, 
coming to recognize that you are a sinner. We are all sinners. Just some saved by grace and some not. I want you to know something, folks. Boy, it, it, ought, to, it ought to bring some joy to your heart knowing that your sins have been forgiven. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid for each and every one of them. His blood was sufficient. Knowing that they've been cast into a sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered again. Wow. The abundant life comes in knowing as a child of God the privilege of prayer. <laughs> Do you know do you know that my God loves me so much that I can go to Him any time of the day or the hour, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what everything else is happening in this world, no matter if everybody else has forsaken me, I know that He lives within me and I know that I can go to Him and that He's there, that He's never too busy for me. The great privilege of prayer. You can't know that without Christ. It's only through Him that our prayers can be heard. He's the only mediator between man and God. All oh, the privilege of being able to go to God and speak to Him and know that He's there, that He hears, that He cares, that He answers. The privilege of the abundant life. You know, so many times, we get to feeling so sorry for ourselves. We've got it so hard, so rough, so difficult. We don't stop to count the blessings. You know what, ladies? This world could take everything that you've got. I mean everything. I mean they could take anything that has any material value to it. And there is not a person here tonight that is so secure that it couldn't happen. You know, I, w I went back and I read almost the entire book of Job this week in my, in my personal devotions because I needed to. Sometimes this world doesn't seem fair. I needed to not for me, but because of somebody that I care so much for what they're going through and not understanding it. And I went back and I, and I read that, and I, and I read all that, that was going through Job's mind and all that he was thinking and all the depths that he went to, and yet God was in control. It didn't seem like it part of the time, but he was always there. I don't know why that sometimes the life may not seem real abundant when you're down in some of those valleys. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. If it feels that bad, you don't want to be there without Jesus. You don't want to be there on your own. You know, no matter what anybody says, the abundant life comes from knowing with all of my heart that right here in this book, I hold the very Word of God. Oh, men will disagree. Denominations will disagree. Churches will disagree. You know, even in fellowship our size. Oh, if we're going to be a fellowship in unity, we've got to agree on on the fundamentals that we lay down and say this is what we're standing upon. But we'll find something if we talk long enough that we don't see exactly eyeball to eyeball on. You know what? God's Word is always there. And it's always just knowing, knowing the wonderful privilege God promised and He has preserved His Word for us. 
I believe with all my heart that it was inspired, that it was breathed by God Himself. I believe with all my heart that as we hold it, that it's without error. I believe that it's in error, and I believe that it's infallible. We toss those words around. But to know those things, we've got God's Word. When we don't, when we lack wisdom, ask for it, He says. Go to Him. We've got His Word right here. The abundant life. You know, here in just a little while, matter of fact, in just a couple of moments, we know that these two are going to be following the Lord in baptism. By God's grace and God's will, if he tarries and the trumpet doesn't sound before we get there, they'll become part of the fellowship of Bethel Free Baptist Church, part of our family. And folks, it is a family. And yeah, we've got plenty of warts and we've got plenty of things that you can find wrong. And we'll continue to have so. You know, part of being a family is loving in spite of all of that. <laughs> doesn't matter. God loves you unconditionally. That's the way he wants us to love one another, unconditionally. And you know, I believe with all my heart that part of that abundant life is being able to be a part of a Bible-believing fellowship. Another group of people that I can be joined in unity of heart with, that I can encourage and be encouraged that I can teach and be taught, that together we can grow and we can serve God and we can see God accomplish the things that only He can accomplish, that we can see souls won into the kingdom, see God build a church. The dear brother said, I think it was Brother Dix, if I'm not mistaken, the dear brother here, he remembers back when Bethel first started, when it started in that tent. that We just talked about a few weeks ago when we had our church anniversary. When this building was built, now he was just a young lad then. He's not that old, okay? But he remembers. And you know, through the years, God has had a people. They've had their ups and their downs. They've had their imperfections. Thank God he's had a people that have been faithful. Today, you and I are here. We have the responsibility. We have the responsibility to make sure that if God does tarry, that there's still a church here that's standing upon the truth, that's proclaiming the gospel, that's making a difference in this dark world, that the light is shining. May this church always be so. The part of that abundant life is the privilege. Some of you, some of you that have been members for some time, you've shared your testimony with the rest of this congregation of what a blessing. Of having been out there in the wilderness, of having not been able to be a part of that family and what a blessing to be able to be a part again. We should count our blessings for what we've got, the abundant life, knowing the joy of service. Do you know what a, you know what a privilege it is to have just the privilege, the opportunity of doing something for God, for the creator of the universe, for the one that holds it all, and to be able to serve him in any capacity, what a joy, what a privilege, what a difference that it makes in our life. You know what? Part of that abundant life is knowing, 
without any shadow of a doubt, that same Jesus that died upon the cross, that same Jesus that rose the third day, that same Jesus that they saw ascend into heaven, he's coming back. He's coming back. And you know what I know for sure? He's coming back to get me. And I hope he's coming back to get you. You don't want to be left behind, friend. You do not want to be left behind. He's done everything. Why reject him? Lost person, wouldn't you like to know the same Jesus that these two ladies have put their faith in? Wouldn't you like to know that you've got life, that you've got it more abundantly? Wouldn't you like to know that in spite of all this world does and says, You've always got a friend. You've always got one that sticketh closer than a brother. You've got one that will be there with you always and forever that's done everything that is necessary to give you life eternal. And, you know, you can still, you can reject that and you can walk out those doors just as lost as when you came in. That's not God's fault. That will be your choice again tonight. Or you can humble yourself. See, I know I'm a sinner. And I know if I've got a hope, it's in Jesus. It's not in me. If I've got a hope, it's because he's done what I can't do. God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of my sins. And forgive me because of what Jesus Christ did for me. He paid for my sins. Would you accept that payment for me tonight? My faith and trust, you know, Sometimes they tell you you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. But this is one time you do. It's all on Jesus. It's all on him. And you can know that this evening. And Christian, Christian, as a fellowship here at Bethel, what a privilege to be able to see God building our family and others coming into it. Maybe there's others here this evening. Maybe you've just been feeling sorry for yourself as a Christian. You know you're a believer. You know you're on your way to heaven. Jesus Christ has done an awful lot for you. You've got an awful lot to be happy about. You've got an awful lot to rejoice in. We need to do some rejoicing. We need to thank God for each other. Thank God for what he's doing. Thank God that though we don't see them being saved by the hundreds year by year, we see more coming in to the kingdom. Thank God, I believe, that we're going to see more in the year ahead. I believe that God has us here for a purpose. Right now, we want to bow our heads and we want to pray. We want to ask God's special blessing as we prepare to enter the waters of baptism here once again. Father, I thank you this evening. I thank you, Lord, for each one that is here. I thank you for your word. And Father, I know I've tried to skim over a lot in a short time. Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts this evening. I pray that you would take the simple truths that we've read from your word and let them be applied. I pray for the sinner that's here this evening. Lord, help them to know that we love them, but that you love them even more. I pray that they would find the courage to swallow their pride and to admit their sinfulness and just trust Jesus, seek that forgiveness that can only come through him. I thank you this evening for Jane and for Daisy. I thank you for their desire 
Lord, to follow you in the obedience of this which you've commanded of them. And I pray, Lord, as they come this evening before this group that is gathered here to identify themselves with you, oh, I pray that you'll, Lord, just bless them in a very special way. Lord, as they do this to honor you, to glorify you, to be obedient to you, may it be a witness to all present here this evening the same Jesus that they identify themselves with this evening, that same Jesus will save them if they'll but trust him. In Christ's name I pray.